Welcome to While Doing Laundry, a podcast for parents with mountains of laundry and a heart for change. I'm your host, Emily Edwards, and I'll be your guide on this weekly ethical exploration of parenthood. I'm a nurse, a mom, and a fierce advocate for choice. When I became a parent, I quickly realized I had overestimated how much I knew about anything that actually mattered and underestimated the sheer volume of laundry I would have to deal with. So if you're anything like me, I'm ready to challenge those old beliefs, learn new ways to view the world, and finally feel like you're embracing the massive, messy transformation that is parenthood, don't go anywhere. Grab your laundry basket and some earbuds, and let's get started listening to this week's episode. Hey, it's Emily. Welcome to the podcast. I really, really can't believe that it's actually happening and that I'm sitting down to record my very first episode of what will probably be the absolute most epic parenting podcast of all time. So far, since becoming a parent in 2012, I have connected with so many other incredibly brilliant, creative passionate parents that I really wanted to create a space where I could not only showcase those conversations in forms of interviews and dialogues with some of my favorite people, but I also wanted to provide a space for my own thoughts and ideas and reflections to be shared because I really do think the power of storytelling and sharing how we've gotten to where we want to be and maybe the tiniest problem can really help others. That is really um, the basis of the podcast. But in terms of the, the name being while doing laundry, it's kind of a tongue in cheek nod to the fact that we're doing all of these incredible, cool, brilliant, creative things while doing laundry. There are very few people I know at this stage, have someone else doing their laundry for them. So I really thought this would be an awesome way to connect with other parents because it's an excuse to pop in your earbuds and sit down to a mountain of laundry and chip away at it while you're learning something new, while you're challenging old beliefs, or while you're just simply learning something from a different perspective. And I'm going to be totally transparent here. I am in fact holding laundry. I have a massive pile beside me and my goal is to get through it by the end of this origin story episode. My oldest loves Dogman and Captain Underpants and things like that. And he was creating his own comic and he thought obviously the first one should be the origin story. So I thought it only fitting myself to have a three-part origin story so you can get to know me and can appreciate some of the unique factors I bring to to the podcast and the lenses that I, I look at life through because my journey is not a simple one and I think it really does deserve its its own description. And it also will help you know right off the bat whether or not this is a podcast for you. Now is your only warning. I swear. I love to swear. I'm going to do it a lot. I will not censor this podcast. So I will warn you, this is a podcast 
or earbuds in unless you are a family that doesn't mind swearing in the background. So without further ado, I want to get into what my personal story is and why exactly my voice matters in this conversation and what conversation are we actually having. My passion lies in choice and informed choice across the spectrum, across the life spectrum, across healthcare. But in the context of what I do now for a living as the founder of the Good Birth Company, I help people navigate the reproductive healthcare system. And my personal journey is one of transforming from a birth ideal chaser So that person who desperately wants that perfect birth situation and experience, you know, the rainbows and unicorns and the beautiful mantras and the the perfect, you know, birthing gown and all of that stuff to a birth experience creator. I know there are ways to have the experience that you not only want, but the one you deserve. And this is my personal story of how I came to understand that. And this podcast will explore in more detail what has brought me from such an extreme place of being a very passionate natural birth movement follower to one of genuine radical empathy, where I want to connect to you on a really, really intense level without needing to know the details that brought you to me. I can help you explore those. I can help you know them in yourself, but I don't need to know them. And that I think is such a cornerstone of what this podcast will be. I'll have to look up exactly where the term came from. I've heard it multiple times and it's something I've integrated as a core value from not only my day-to-day life, but also my business. But it also reminds me of my grandmother. My grandma Joan was someone who held space for whoever needed it. Don't get me wrong. She enjoyed gossip and she enjoyed a good, you know, stirring of the pot from time to time. But she was someone who showed up for people when they needed that. And this podcast, I I hope it leaves you with a feeling that she always left me with. And that was feeling I was better for it. I was better for the conversation we had. I left enlightened and I left feeling inspired to go and do something about it. Um, so that radical empathy piece is me inviting you to listen me inviting you into my stories, into the stories of the people I love and know, but for you then to take what I've shared and run with it and go and make change in your own life. So I'll give you a quick overview of my birth stories as well, which you'll get to know over the course of different episodes of the podcast. In a very quick synopsis, I went from a birth ideal chaser and that left me really disappointed, left me angry. And it left me violated. As someone who experienced birth trauma related to my birth ideal not being met and care that was not supportive for my needs, I went to work figuring out what happened and how I could do better. 
But the problem was it wasn't easy to do. People weren't talking about it. I was given a lot of, well, you should just be happy that you're both healthy. And I really do think that those comments were always shared with the most love, but they weren't helpful. I really, really, really needed to talk to someone and be given the opportunity to figure out what happened. And it wasn't until I was pregnant with my second um, in 2015 when we were living in Saskatchewan that I got connected with some nothing short of phenomenal people. The women that worked to advocate for change in that community, really, they moved mountains. They changed literal outcomes for moms and babies in that province. Dion was someone who believed in me and who believed me. I didn't even know what I needed to say yet. And she guided me so gently, but so ferociously through understanding what happened in my first birth. I want you to keep in mind, at this point, I had graduated nursing school. I had devoted most of my undergraduate degree when possible to the process of birth and that experience. And here I sat completely lost until nothing short of an angel came into my life to help me figure out what happened. And because of her, because of her fire and the work she had done before me and then inspired me to do... I started the really tough journey of advocating for the birth experience that I wanted for Orion's birth. I wanted an out-of-hospital vaginal birth after cesarean or a VBAC, but I didn't get that due to some politics and whatnot in the the area. Um, In Saskatchewan at that time, if you had given birth by cesarean previously, it wasn't an option to have care in the community to give birth. So your options were hospital-based birth, if you were lucky enough to get a midwife, or an unassisted home birth. Within the community that I met of these passionate birth workers, I really learned a lot about the unassisted birth community and the choices that people make and why they make those. And I have the utmost respect for it. But it wasn't for me. I know a lot more about my medical situation, but I got very sick while I was pregnant. And there were some really kind of concerning symptoms that I was having that made me feel uncomfortable to give birth at home or outside of the hospital without direct hands-on care by a midwife. And It was just the unknown of that. It wasn't anything concerning the baby and there wasn't anything really acutely wrong with me, but it was just the fact that they didn't know why I was experiencing cardiac symptoms and fainting and things like that. And it just, again, safety bubble for me was in hospital, but it still was a really sucky choice, right? Because I still had to choose be by yourself or be in hospital. Luckily, I was able to get in with the midwives and have a freaking amazing birth. And my midwife believed in me. Story of the day is finding these people who really believed in what I could do. And she knew what I wanted inside out and backwards. And it was a really, really incredible experience. It was powerful. It was moving. It was fast. And it left me feeling like I could do anything. 
the next time I gave birth was in Ontario and it was by a surgical dilation and evacuation of my twin pregnancy. So that was a very different birth experience. And um, the thing that stands out though was the compassion, the respect and the dignity that was provided to me when I had to do the most difficult thing I've ever done. That was the, the thing that stood out to me. And it was really stood in contrast to so many people's stories of when they gave birth to a, to the, a baby they expected to bring home and they could bring home and they were treated like garbage, yet I could be treated so kindly when they knew that my babies weren't living and they wouldn't come with me. And it was just really, really interesting to see the two side by side. After that, I, I went on to have another vaginal birth in hospital. Pharaoh's birth was another super fast, super intense, crazy story. And yet it was much more medical um, than I had really wanted. I had advocated for an out-of-hospital birth. We lived in a different area at this time and the options were available to us. However, with all of that planning in place, I still did create a backup hospital plan and had it uh, very, very detailed and had conversations with the staff. I really put the work in for this to make sure regardless of where I gave birth, I would have what I wanted. And as luck would have it, when my water broke, there was meconium. There's lots of details and medical pieces around this. But for me, that was a red flag for myself. I wanted to be in hospital. And our birth story changed from what was on the paper or what I had envisioned. But the thing about all of the work I had done prior to that was really focusing on what I wanted to feel like and how I wanted to be treated. So even when the plan changed so drastically, I still felt in control. I still felt like every single thing I wanted and needed was happening, even though the actions and interventions weren't my first choice. I will be really getting into those details as we travel through this podcast together. But just for the sake of the introduction, that's the rundown. I bring my passion of birth and choice to it, but also the element of social justice work, social activism, and the interconnectedness of those things. Birth work with nursing, with parenting, with feminism, with every moving part of life. This is actually another aspect of me that I connect to my grandmother. Uh, she was a fierce social activist, social justice activist. She marched for nursing rights, actually, at Queen's Park. She marched in protests for Indigenous rights and access to water. She was just unbelievable. And it was so inspiring. She took me along with her to her meetings. I sat on boards that she once was a part of. And that is something that I, I kind of let go or die a little bit when my kids were born. But I realized that now I can combine it all together. Because the other piece of this is my family dynamic and the makeup of my family is different than a lot of people where I live. And 
I have learned so much because of that. My husband is of Grenadian uh, descent. So both of his parents are from Grenada and he was born in the States and then he came to Canada and his background is really, really different than mine. So obviously I am a white mom. I am raising three kids who will always be seen as black by the world. And if we learned anything in 2020, it was that we have a lot of work to do to make the world a safer place for my kids to exist in and for their father to exist in. In 2019, I made a few very public posts um, about local issues that concerned me and around safety involving flying of the Confederate flag and things like that. I was met with so much hostility. Fellow business owners, fellow mom business owners told me that there was no space or place for politics in our businesses. I had people back out of collaborations I had a lot of disappointment. I felt very alone after that. And I felt that in that moment that maybe I had done something wrong. But I didn't. I chose instead to remove myself from those communities, the online spaces that were so hostile to me, the spaces that I really didn't feel were safe any longer. And I started to pour my attention and my time into places that were more, that were more welcoming and that fit and aligned better with what I wanted to accomplish. And what I wanted to accomplish was creating a business and a community that really was built on the idea of a space that was safe for everyone to be. An inclusive community where we were allowed to learn from each other where we celebrated our differences and really highlighted how we could build each other up. Um, and that is now what I feel like I'm making happen. I want to be able to have conversations with other parents about how they can change their own views and understand their own biases to create a better place for my family and other families like mine to exist. Anti-racist work is something that I will not let go of. I will not be quiet about. And if you ever hear a pause in this type of work, it's only because I'm figuring out what the next right step is. In 2020, I started doing more uh, hands-on work around anti-racist work in my local community. Duane and I spoke on CBC and local radio about it our family's experiences and his experience living in a small Ontario community. And it, it opened our, our eyes to how needed those stories are and how courageous the people are who came before us to share their story. And I really would like to express that this podcast is a place to explore anti-racist work. This is a podcast that in this ethical exploration of parenthood, I think understanding how to become an anti-racist, how to just start doing something 
is a key component of that, uh, you know, that ethical world, that beautiful place that we want to create for our kids is going to start with a lot of anti-racist work. So I want you to know that I'm going to share lots of different opportunities for learning and growing and also just really incredible people and brilliant minds who are making great changes um, will be introduced to you shortly. Um, I do want you to know that all of February will be dedicated to celebrating Black excellence in the reproductive space, in the growing family space, because again, I have become the parent I am today because of the people I will be interviewing coming up in February. And I really do owe so much to them. So stay tuned for all of those conversations. The last part of origin story part one is my chronic illness journey. And in a quick synopsis, I have discovered in the last 18 months that not only do I live with a rare skull malformation called a Chiari 1 malformation, I also have severe eczema, a dyserotic eczema on my hands that triggers rheumatoid arthritis. So that sounds like a big giant mouthful, and it, it really is. I spent the entire year postpartum after I gave birth to Pharaoh, who's my youngest, in pain, in agony, and I didn't know what was going on. I was rapidly losing function in terms of actual fine motor skills and gross motor skills with my hands. I was losing that. I was losing my ability to, like, I was just so weak. I couldn't do things. I was having significant neurological symptoms, including um, tingling and blurriness in my eyes. It was just, it was crazy. And I, I was terrified. I was genuinely terrified that I was going to lose everything in terms of physical abilities. I couldn't wash my hair. It just, it sucked. And finally, I got connected with the right team to help diagnose what was going on. And basically, uh, now I'm, I'm on a treatment for my rheumatoid arthritis that also helps manage my eczema, that now I have a, a good treatment plan for my eczema to keep it under control. And if all of those things are in order, then my skull malformation and cerebral spinal fluid flow are good and my neurological symptoms are pretty much gone. Um, so that is my really quick synopsis of that crazy journey. But what it really has given me is an appreciation for how unheard uh, new moms, new parents are after you give birth. If you are someone who has been pregnant, so if you've been gestating, meaning you've been pregnant, or you've been lactating, so you've been breastfeeding, um, you are pretty much dismissed for the whole year after you, you give birth or the year after you're done breastfeeding because of your hormones. And if you could see me, I was using air quotes. My pain was dismissed. Um, so there was a lot of different challenges with moving through what happened to me and getting to a diagnosis. But at the core of it, it wasn't that nobody wanted to listen to me. No one listened to how significant my symptoms were. And I don't think they really believed that they could all be happening simultaneously, which they were. But at the time, nobody really thought that. 
while I'm not an expert in terms of pregnancy and chronic illness management or pain management, it's something that I really do have an appreciation for now much differently than I ever did, as well as parenting um, while living with any sort of disability, be that an invisible disability, be it something that's physical and limits your function, um, be it mental health, because along with all of my physical challenges in the last year, I had also had challenges each postpartum period after my other children. And those were mostly mood-based, but now I know it was very closely linked to everything else, but it was, it was really hard. And I don't think that I'm not alone. And I know that someone listening to this right now may be facing that same weird cluster of symptoms of the, the skin and the joints and the either a stomach issues or chronic headaches or whatever it is. And you just feel like nobody's paying attention. Uh, or no one's believing you. This is why I wanted to share that because you aren't alone and there is hope and there's treatment options and there's ways to feel better. Um, And that is really me in a nutshell. I take everything that I've gone through personally and I do my best to understand it and I do my best to process it in a way that I can help somebody else with it, that I can succinctly share my story and help lead you to your own next step. So that's it. That is all. That is part one, my personal journey to the origin story. And you'll find part two, uh, all about my professional background will be next. So don't forget, as always, go out, do something cool, and then tell me about it. Thanks for listening to While Doing Laundry. I hope you're feeling enlightened and your own pile of clothing is a little bit smaller. If you love what you heard, it would mean so much to me if you hit subscribe and left a quick rating and review so more people just like you can explore parenthood while doing laundry.